Welcome to the Fit in 42 Life Podcast. Fitness, lifestyle, community, and getting better every day. Welcome back to the Fit in 42 Life Podcast. I'm Jerry Washak. I'm here with my man, Rye McMillan. What's up, Rye? What up, Jerry? What up, squad? Oh, yeah. So today we got the specials, the specialness for you guys. Today <laughs> it's going to be a little different. We're switching it up on you guys. <laughs> Today's going to be, we're, we're meeting the team today, guys. We're going to meet Ryan McMillan today. And, and believe me, <laughs> he's got many layers to him. I'll oh, tell you that man. right now. So, um, Let's see where this goes. Let's see where this goes. <laughs> this is cool because I've known Ryan a long time. I know Ryan since he was 18 years old. Mm -hmm. He's just a member of our old gym, Next Level Fitness, and he was just working out in the weight room, coming in every day, <laughs> just hitting the weights and just being all lovable Ryan. And then here he is today, big boss man. So, <laughs> Ryan, first question right off the bat. Where were you born, man? I was born in, I was born in Montclair. So I was okay. born in Montclair, California, um, and I lived in the Inland Empire for until I was 12, you know, until I moved out to the Coachella Valley. So I, I lived out in that area, Montclair, Ontario, Upland. I know Jen was from Upland, too. So oh. certain areas like that, that area was where I went to, to elementary and stuff like that, like San Bernardino area. I lived in a lot. I moved around a lot. But the Inland Empire was where, you know, kind of home base was till till 12. All right. You got you got some brothers too yes i have two brothers right so i have one of my brothers is landon he's a year and a half older than me so we're su super close in age and then i have an older brother who's 10 years older than me oh, and his name's nicholas and and that's that's my oldest brother you know and uh yeah they're both a little crazy a little bit wild maybe they'll <laughs> listen to this one day you know but those are my brothers those are my bros they're 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 tough guys you know they're they're definitely they're they're badass guys you know and we grew up rough we grew up you know in a, in a different way and uh you know, those guys have battled a long way themselves and throughout our whole life. All three of us had to battle really hard through a lot. You know, we faced a lot and I'm proud of those guys because, you know, like my brother Landon has my, my nephew, Elijah, you know, and he, he's a good father and works hard. Um, my oldest brother, too. He has a job and a career and all that. And, you know, so all of us have battled throughout our whole lives to kind of create a little bit of stability and and, uh, and and to have happiness in our life. So all three of us have fought like dogs to get to where we are today. Nice, nice. And so, you know, when you were young, you ended up in the shelter from the storm. Now, for those that don't know what the shelter is, can you explain what that is? And then you can go in on your experience and what, what that was like over there. Yeah. So the shelter, so that's, that's like, that's that place. It's, it's interesting at this point in my life. It's like, obviously I'm a board member now to the shelter, you know, but when, when I, a little bit before that, so from like the ages, like being born to 12, that was pretty rough. You know, that was my father spent a lot of time in prison, addicted to drugs, alcohol, um, same, my mother, alcohol, drugs, you know, we always lived in the streets. We were homeless. It was just, you know, a lot of violence, a lot of chaos of, uh, that we grew up in. That was the environment we lived in. So I, I never had a life of stability up until that point. We were always moving from place to place, living in homeless shelters, sleeping in the car, um, just going to people's houses and drug houses. What, you know, it was just really not a good life. You know, it was an unstable life. It was a pretty chaotic, you know, so up into that point. So we had to face a lot. And then 
I call it like the turning point in my life was really one of the greatest blessings was moving to the Coachella Valley, you know, and moving out this way. My mom, it was a, a, a state of desperation at that point in our life where, you know, she had a lot of addictions and, and there was just nothing going our way at all. And a lot the, this was like the last thing. And I just remember her telling us like, guys, that we have nothing at all. I'm going to do this. I need to, I, to go. I heard about this place out in the, uh, the desert. You know, it's going to be a shift for us, but this is, I want to do this for you guys. I, I think this will change everything for us. It'll help us. And then me and my brother were just like, okay, because at that point we were living in a car, we were living in homeless shelters. And it was like, at that point, we we're on like a two year stretch of that sleeping How in old cars, you? you know? So from that was 12 when we came out here. So but were you, were you actively in we were school? Already, were you in school? So in school, I, I rarely went to school. So I yeah. almost missed all of like my elementary school. I rarely went to school because we'd be in one place and then I'd go to another place. And then, so I was always shifting schools. I went to 13 different schools, you know, so about 11 of them before I got to the desert. Cause the, when I got to the desert, I went to Palm Desert Middle School, and then I went to Palm Desert High School. So, but before that, I was just all over the place, you know. So, so like uh, a day, a day in the life of a of a nine, eight, eight or nine year old. What is that? If you're not going to school, what are you doing? Yeah. So, like, it's basically if we weren't in school, we'd be like at the homeless shelter and stuff. Like, we'd wake up at we'd have to be up at like four thirty in the morning. We'd be eat breakfast there and stuff, and then we'd basically go and stay at the parks all day. So my mom, mom was an addict, you know, she was addicted to painkillers and stuff like that. So it, it would basically be like her just getting her fixes or stuff, you know, like, like I love my mom too. And she knows I just tell the truth and that's just how it is. But yeah, she'd be, you know, doing her thing all day long and basically be on pills and stuff. And me and my brother would be in the car or at the skate park. We just stay at the park, you know, and mm. really do nothing. But it'd be find a place to eat, you know, it would be like, oh, there's this place to to go and at the park and get food, you know. And my mom was really good at um, just making things happen. She knew how to work. She, My mom knows how to work the system, you know. So we'd be, you know, we're going to go eat there to get food. Oh, we're going to go get vouchers here so we could stay at a hotel and take a nice shower. And my mom just knew how to play that game, you know, really, uh, how it was. And me and my brother were just kind of stuck in, in that, you know, and we didn't really have a choice. We didn't have anything, um, any, we didn't have any options, you know, on, on what to do besides to stick to stick with her. And then there would be periods where it's like, we'd go without school, then we'd stay at someone's house and then we'd be there and then we'd go to school for a few months and then we're back out again. And then it's like, my dad would get out of prison and then we'd be get an apartment. My mom would always go back with my dad. And then, you know, a couple of years would go and we might be doing okay. And then all of a sudden another blow up would happen. So that's how it would be. It'd be like, dad's in prison. We're on the streets. Dad gets out of prison. They get back together. And then we, uh, we kind of stabilize and get an apartment until the next blow up happens. And then we're back on the streets and, you know, so that was the cycle. It was this vicious cycle. Exactly what I just said that happened continuously till I was 12 years old, you know, and then. So right, real quick, when you're yeah. in, when you're in school now, was it tough for you to be in school? Like to be oh. on that, to be like around that, like, uh, like 
that you have to like sit down and be quiet and be told mm -hmm. what to do. And like, you know, that discipline where like you kind of were in charge of yourself, it sounded like most for the most part of the day. So was that, was that a struggle yeah, for you? I definitely struggled uh, a lot because I, I, so even in school I had to take, I, I was like in like the special classes, not because I had like any issues. It's because I was always so far behind. Mm. So imagine that, like you go two years without being in school or something, and then you yeah, got to go pick back up. Like, I don't know. And then, so I would always be doing my own work in like the corner trying to catch up with, mm. with what's going on. Cause I'd be behind so much. And so I would be flustered a lot. And, and I'd really think like, man, I'm never going to get through this. This is so challenging. This is so hard, you know, but I also, in my mind, I realized it wasn't my fault, you know, at a young age, like, Hey, like, yes, I'm behind. Yes. This is very difficult, but I just kept trying my best, you know? And then, so like in school I was behind and it was difficult. It was challenging. It was really hard for me to get through school. And then on top of that, I grew up in such a violent, chaotic place that I always was like anxious. I was always angry. So I always had an attitude. I always like was in defensive mode, you know? And so then when you're the new kid all the time too, people uh. want to pick on you, people want to test you. So every school, you know, me and my brother knew within the first week I'm dropping somebody, somebody's getting knocked <laughs> out. Right. And it was just how it was. And I was raised in that type of environment where it was like, if someone, threatens you if someone makes you feel so you need just handle your business and that as kids we were we were kind of trained like that you know and um yeah so I'd like go to school I'm behind I'm I'm freaking homeless I'm wearing the same clothes I don't have nice clothes I don't I just you know so I don't look good I don't feel good and then kids would try to test you you know and then when they would test us then we would you know we would fight them and and me and my brother are both pretty good fighters so we end up coming out victorious and then <laughs> people would know that don't mess with these kids. And, and it was hard too, because I never tried to build relationships with people either because I, I, I knew I was going to move again. So it's like when I went to school, I just kind of did my thing, kept to myself, always kind of by myself and, and because I didn't want to get close to anybody. Cause I knew one day I'm, I'm just going to disappear again, you know, and that's really how it was all the way until I came to the desert, you know, and I, to be honest, I didn't think I was going to last out here either, you know? Yeah, um, why would you? Yeah, you're going to that mindset. And like, so that was like my pre-desert, you know, coming out here. And then it's like, then we come here and the shelter was just like the turning point in my life. It, it, it changed everything. And that's why like, I, I really, I, I look back and I'm like, I don't owe anybody in this life anything at all. But I do owe that organization everything, you know, so that's kind of like the saving grace of my life, you know, when I look back, because that gave me a chance, like I was just a young kid who didn't feel like I had a chance. And then going here was such an incredible organization, I go and like, they there's an emergency shelter. So the way it works, when you come into the desert, you have to live in an emergency shelter for six months. And they have your the teachers there, they have food there, they have everything you need. You have your, it's like a dormitory. So you get these dorm rooms you have to stay in and stuff. And so I came here and it's like, all right, this is better than the streets. This is better than the car. This is better than homeless shelters. This is awesome, you know, like, so even come in here and then they start with therapy and things like that. So I'm getting therapy. I'm, I'm, there's more people there that I could connect with. 
Um, and then for six months, you know, and, and the thing is me and my brother were really well-behaved kids. Like we we're well-behaved. We have great manners. We're very respectful. Um, and, and so going there for the six months, we went to school, we did our thing. And then they invited us, the shelter invited us to what they call the transitional program. So, right. Well, real quick, the yeah. emergency shelter is that, did I, do I remember this correctly? That like, it's almost like you guys are in hiding. Mm -hmm. that, so like, therefore your dad's not supposed to know where you guys are at that point. Yeah. Right? So you're in full hide mode. So basically it's like, you know, there's, there's violence going on and then bam, we call the shelter. They accept us in and then we go there and then you have to hide out for six months. So nobody knows where you're at, at all. Your family doesn't know your, uh, obviously the abuser doesn't know and all that. And you just try to hide out and just try to kind of pick up the pieces to your life, mm -hmm. you know, and that's kind of how that is, is to keep you from getting abused in where you could start counseling and start getting help, you know? Wow. And like, and my mom wasn't clean at the time too. So there was an opportunity to clean her up and for her to get sober and all those type of things. Um, and like I said, we did really good in the um, emergency. And then if you show like, like, like they try to do it for everybody, but if you show promise and stuff, like you're really trying to take this serious, you're really trying to transform your life. Then they have the transitional program. And that's where they invite you where you could go stay in an apartment complex for two years, right? So you could live there for two years and you don't pay anything. It's completely free. So you get free housing, you get free um, counseling, right? There's requirements you have to do. So we got invited and we stayed there. And then, but the, like the mother has to get a job. The muster, mother has to get drug tested every single uh, week or month or whatever. And then we have to go to individual therapy. We have to go to group therapy. So they have these requirements of you to, in order to stay there, you know, and that's what really helped my mother out big time and my, me and my brother, because now it's like I come here, we get invited. Now that's when I transferred to Palm Desert Middle School, you know, and so going there and then knowing in my mind, oh, we're here for two years, you know, like this is where we're going to be. And um, so I stayed there and we got counseling and we went through that transitional program. And that's what really changed my life because I got counseling, I got support and that's where I got mentorship too. So like my mentor, Otis, um, back then he was an attorney, you know, and then now he's a judge at the courthouse. Um, and he came in and he was like that guy that showed me what I could become because he had a relatable story to mine. Um, and he was the first person that I saw like, oh my gosh, he went through I went, what I went through, but he ended up coming out of this okay. And so I got mentorship, I got counseling. Um, my mother got housing, we got housing, we got food support, we got, you know, holidays were celebrated, you know. Did you, did you know where Otis came from? Like yeah. So the way it works is when you get, get into the, into the program, they assign you a mentor. Right. And I was assigned luckily, like, uh, Otis was another blessing. It's like, everything just was in my favor at this point. It's like, I just, everything, cause he just was like the perfect person for me, you know, like he was, he was fit, he was athletic, he was smart, you know, and he came from a background. So the way it happened was they, I, I, join the program. Then they assign me Otis. Then Otis would spend at least one time a month with me. And then we'd also do group outings. But Otis was like, the way he's wired is to overdo things. And, and so he would see me like every week, 
you know, he didn't just do the bare minimum. This guy, like, literally every single week I'm playing basketball with him or he would take me bowling or he really took his role serious as a mentor and took me in. And then he was open and shared his life with me, you know? And so I was able to be like, Oh my gosh, like Otis dealt with homelessness and parents and drugs and all this stuff. So I felt like, wow, I'm connected to this guy. And, and then he became what like my future could be, you know? And then he really pushed me too. like, he was the first person I really kind of, I did respect and I wanted to make him proud, you know? So he took my grade serious. He would always look at my report cards and like, dude, the worst I never was like, dude, I can't let Otis look at my report card and not be like, he was like A's and B's, right? A's and B's, that's all we accept, you know? And so he gave me a standard, you know, in school, in behavior um, and things like that and how to treat people. And so he really was, gave me someone to look up to. And that was the shelter provided that. So it's like, man, I got counseling, I got housing, I got a mentor, someone that really took me serious and gave all of themselves to me, you know. Is Otis still around? Otis is still a part of my life. I could call him right now. He'd pick up that phone, you know. He kind of, he's kind of an incredible guy. He took kind of over my whole family, to be honest. He's like the mentor to me, both of my brothers, to my parents, you know. So he not only just really was there for uh, me, wow. he was there for everybody. What a guy. He was, he's an incredible guy. And he, he, he took it super serious and like, he's super like, that's in, in still in my mind, it's like, I still want to make Otis proud. So I always think about that, like my actions, I don't want to disappoint him still, you know what I mean? And so he still, even though we don't communicate like we did before, you know, but he's still like, I could call him anytime. Like there's moments and periods for, since I was 12 that we call him and talk and, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny. I used to run in them at EOS in the gym and so like, and his wife is still like contacts and messages us. And so we're still in a relationship. God, he's got to be so proud of you. Uh, he's in, yeah, I'm, I, and like, he's a great father. He has four kids. And then it's like, I'm like that other one, you know, and we all turned out great, you know, like his own kids are incredible. And then he's one of those guys, like, like in my mind, I never tried to impress really too many people, you know, uh, not my parents, not anybody, but Otis is one of those guys where it's like, Hey, when I wake up every day, uh, I don't ever want him to see me in the courthouse. I don't ever want him to uh, see my name in a negative light. I want him to see that I'm doing good and for him to be proud of, of what I do, you know? And I know for sure he tells me, you know, when I do see him, like, dude, you're, you've done amazing, you know? So that's, that's like awesome. the greatest feeling in the world, knowing that I, I did right by him because how much he gave to me, you know? So, do you know why he did this? Like, what? like do you ever ask him how he signed up to do what he's done has he done it for other 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 people so after this, or this is like he is, he it's like a big brothers program yeah it was a maybe? big brothers program so the it, the got most of the big brothers we had at the shelter were from the uh district attorney's office and the um police department and firefighters so it was more servicemen mm. like that and and um and there was the head guy i forget his last name but i think it, it was his guy david and he was the head of it so he would invite all the he was an attorney so he would tell the attorneys hey we got this big brother program and he would invite them over you know and so we had this group of just attorneys and police officers and firefighters and just a bunch of badass guys and there's a lot of us boys there too so it would be all of us together. You know, we do group events and we go play football together. We go do things together. And now we had all these incredible guys to look up to uh, these very successful guys. And then he did it too, because like he came from 
that background and he just wanted to give back, you know, he's just like that. And he does things too, where he like teaches kids how to, I forget what they call it, but he does these programs where he gets kids and teaches them how to like debate and be attorneys and stuff like that. So, wow. and that's something he does now. And, and so he's just a, that's just a part of who he is as a person. Wow. And like I said, it's one of those, like not every mentor was like that either where they, inv- they gave so much, of themselves like I was very fortunate to have him be the one I got because I don't like to brag but I had the best mentor in the world you know like I was like I'd even tell the kids like yo my mentor is better than yours you know like straight up like my like this guy is incredible you know and like so it's like and and, and so just looking at that like man the shelter was a blessing Otis was a blessing um and I remember like, even when I was that young, I, I was like, I'm going to take advantage of this, you know, like I, I got a chance here, you know, and I really realized that at a young age, like this is an opportunity for me, you know, and I didn't have that. I didn't have that before. So like just entering the shelter did all of that for me and instilled a lot of belief in me, especially through Otis, through, you know, the things that I was doing with the, the organization and yeah, it was it's, it was an incredible experience, and we were there for yeah. two years till yeah. I was fifteen. Yeah, so we were there. Right? Then what happened? Did you did you like uh, graduate out? Yeah, then- so basically we stayed the whole duration. My mother got clean. My mother got uh, jobs. You know, or had a job. Um, you know, she saved money. So she, when we exited the program, she had a bunch of money saved up. She was clean. She had everything. And at that time I'm like 15 years old, you know? Um, so that took me like basically almost into high school, um, at that point. So I, I went through middle school there. Um, and then, then we exited out and then just the Valley just became home. You know, it just became, that's just how the, it feels out here. I feel very safe out here, like, like in, in, in the Valley, you know? So we ended up getting an apartment in Palm desert, me and my, or my mom did. And that's where we stayed all the way through, um, through high school. And, uh, and yeah, like it all started with that shelter, but then we, that, that's how the Valley became home base was, was through the shelter. And then even just growing up, it's just, I feel safe out here. I feel secure out here. I feel like this is the most positive place I've ever been in far, as far as my life. So it was just kind of stabilizing here. Like I don't see myself going anywhere else. I love, love being out here and I love what this place has done for me. And, and that's, that's, that, that's what happened, you know? <laughs> so, so for you, well, I wrote it down. I wrote a question down. Oh yeah. I actually wrote, how did you become lovable? Um, so this guy that was angry, this guy was always fighting, watching his back and all this stuff. Like, how did you, like one of my mentors, Bob, he, he passed away, uh, four years ago, maybe now, but like for 10 years, <laughs> for 10 years, I would personal train him and three times a week. And he would talk nonstop those three hours, <laughs> and, and like nonstop. And he, but he worked hard, but, uh, we would, it was always one-on-one, but, um, we, um, and we would we became friends outside of the gym, and we we spent a lot of time together. But he loved Ryan. He <laughs> loved. He saw exactly what I saw back in the day. He just and then, actually, when we'll we'll tell about this in a little, a little bit. But Ryan and I were separated. Uh, Ryan didn't work for the company for about five years. But during that time, I reached out to Ryan because Bob needed to get stretching, and so Ryan was doing FST stretching, and so Ryan and I got to remain in contact through Bob. And so like when Bob, I would say, I would be like, Hey Bob, you see Ryan? He's like, oh man. Then he would tell me what's <laughs> going on with Ryan. And we would talk about Ryan. Then he would just, then we would just talk how amazing he was and Ryan was. And so, um, the quality that you possess is 
you're ferocious, but you, you, you keep that like suppressed. You're just a chill, easygoing, lovable guy. And that's been the way since I knew you when you were 18. So how did, what's your, how does that possible? How did, yeah, that shift. So that was a big shift, you know, because like I said, like I come out here, I'm still in that fight mode, you know, like very aggressive, very angry, very anxious and coming into the shelter. Like I had to go to counseling. So that was step number one was like every week I had to go to counseling with my counselor and, and have talk therapy, you know, and talk about my problems, you know, and then we had group therapy too. So we'd have, so I did a lot of counseling, like once we came out here and that was a huge part to actually express myself. I never expressed myself, you know, I never, I just kept things in and that's when I would have this blow over. And then back then too, like, they put me on medication, which I didn't like, but I, I was, had such a severe anger issue mm. that they were like, we need to put you on something, you know? And that's what happened was they put me on a uh, Zoloft at the time mm. and I didn't like it because it, it ended up like numbing me yeah. period. Like yeah. it was weird. It was like, now I wasn't angry anymore, but I didn't feel anything. Like I, yeah. I didn't just, it numbed me so much. Like I wasn't happy. I wasn't angry. I felt just like a zombie. Wow. And that's almost how that, that felt for me. And then it's interesting is like, as time went on, uh, I ended up getting into a, a, a car or I got hit by a car riding my bike at like 14 or something like that. And I ended up having to go to therapy. And this is how I got into training. This is how I got into working out was I got hit by this car and it injured my knee. And then when I went to therapy, we couldn't afford to continue therapy. So they gave me recommendations to do on my own. And then that's when I enrolled at the rec center. And that's where I was. My first gym was like $10 a year. And I noticed when I was working out that I felt better. Right. So I would work out, I do these workouts and I didn't feel angry. I didn't feel like I wanted to fight anybody. I didn't feel like anything at all. Right. I just felt incredible. Like, uh, and it was just me rehabbing my knee and then I figured this out. So I just kept training every day. And then I realized there's a correlation here between this thing, this being physically active like this is making me feel better. And so like, eventually I got off of my medication and I just kept going to the gym and that was it. And that's how I got off medication. But it was like talk therapy. It was physical activity, being physical. It was, uh, being in a, in a positive environment. I also realized I didn't have to be like that anymore. I could also back off, like going to like Palm Desert, you know, I go to this school ready to beat everyone up, you know, I thinking they're going to pick on me and all this stuff. And I come and I'm like, no, this is actually a good community. This is a good kids. This is good people. I don't have to like be on guard like that, you know? And then it was just a lot of like, I don't want to be like that. And then there was like Otis showed me too. Cause I, I remember I got into a fight at one of the mentor events. I punched a kid right in his nose, you know? And then Otis, they all talked to me like, Hey man, you don't have to be like that anymore. Like it's a, like, so it was a lot of people just talking to me, like, just be calm, be relaxed, think things through. And it was just a lot of self work, you know, um, in order to get to that point. But I worked really hard on changing, uh, that person, you know, and, and because I always have, I do have two sides to me. Like Jared said, a very lovable, I love people. I, I'm a very caring person, but then I have these triggers that makes me not. And I always try to stay, like I say, my ultimate self, right. I work hard to stay that person and not have these blowovers. But as I got older, it was like, I, it really just that whole aggressiveness just kind of faded away. And I just, 
I don't know, I just became more confident in myself. I became uh, happier and I realized I didn't have to do that like anymore that I could change and, 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 and I didn't have to be so aggressive, you know? And, uh, and then I just love, I do like people and, you know, and treating people correctly. And like I said, like, I think, um, as time went on, I kind of healed, I think I healed a lot better and I didn't really live with that anger that I once had, you know? Yeah. I think it's gonna be really surprising for people to hear this because they always see you as this passionate, you're passionate and you get, you get, you get intense with your, with your coaching, but people that know you, they, they understand that he's not angry at me because he's angry at me. He wants me to be better because he knows that I really want this. And so like, it's different, like from a coach, just being a jerk from a coach being like, Hey, you're better than this. Let's go. Like there's love behind it. So I know, I think, yeah. I don't think everyone, I don't think anyone really that knows you in the studio would be like, Oh my God, this guy's a fighter. Like <laughs> what? Because, um, like that was, that was when I first met you when you were 18, uh, all I remember is this guy laughs all the time. He's like, he's, he's super fit, but he's just always in a good, he's in a good, pleasant mood. And he's just like, he's just happy. And like then, so that, so thinking about you and what you went through to like, so it has to be like, it's, it's just, it had to be something that you had to work on to mm -hmm. become that guy because, um, you know, it's, could have easily been just a jerk trying to kill everyone at all times. Yeah. Now, and it was like, yeah. I too, I didn't want to make excuses, you know, on like, I didn't want to ever have a crutch like, Oh, I could be like that. Cause I went through that. Like yeah. I, even at a young age, I said, man, I'm in control. I remember saying that like at like 15 years old, like you're in control now. Nobody else is your parents aren't your, your, your brothers aren't, this is all about you and just taking responsibility. And that's something Otis told me like, dude, you're in control. You're choosing to make the actions. You're choosing to do certain things. You're too, you need to like, be take response so like I learned at a young age at like 15 is like hey it's on you and I really put that pressure on myself like I need to change my way I operate I need to change my own life no one's coming to save me here it's on you you know and so yeah it was I just worked on myself on how I wanted to behave and how I wanted to act and who I and I I, I was always a happy person you know I had that side and I just try to be that more you know and then ultimately I was able to just to kind of like really suppress that whole other version of me. That's gotta be, that's gotta be one of the best. That's gotta be one of the best lessons you learned early on is like, I'm in control. Like, God, man. Yeah, it like, was, it was, it, it was, that's too, everything. Yeah. And it was a, it was a big deal because I, I didn't, blame. not a victim. I wasn't a victim. Yeah. It was shifting that perspective as like, I, I was able to look back and say like, I went through a lot of stuff, but I didn't do it to myself. Yeah. I didn't choose to do that. I yeah. didn't, that I was a by, that was a byproduct of other people's actions, my guardianship, my parents. And I was just, a, a I just got hit with what they were going through, but I didn't do it, you know? And then I, but I, and I realized I'm 15 years old. I'm in control now. They're not in control of me, you know, in a little bit they are, but I can still choose to do things. That's why I got a job early at 15. I got, and I just started to take as much control as I possibly could in my own life, you know, and that was probably the greatest thing I ever uh, really at a young age, having that perspective wow. is like, and so I didn't blame myself of what happened or, and I didn't blame anybody else. I just said, Hey, from moving forward, you're in control, man. Yeah. You know? And that was like, uh, that was a big shift for me on how That's I huge. thought you know because it's true when you're a child you 
you don't, you're just along for the ride. Everyone else is mm-hmm. doing everything to you and for you, whatever. But like, but 15, you're a grown ass man almost. You're like, mm-hmm. you're right there. And like, I know like sometimes kids take a little while longer to grow up, but I was like the same, man. Like we like taking control of your life and be like, all right, I, my decisions matter right now. And like, dude, it, it's awesome. I love that because it's so true, but I, lo- I, re- I really love what you said about like, <clears throat> I wasn't in control in the, in the past and you didn't blame yourself. That's huge. Cause I mm-hmm. bet a lot of people do blame themselves. Like, oh my God, this happened to me. What was I? No, like, dude, I'm, I'm a child. Yeah. Like, this is like, this is my, this is the cards I was dealt. Like, yeah. but now the cards are, they're here. And now I can't rely on everything that's just been happening. I can't just be like, well, this happened to me. No, no, no. I'm in control. Like, that's awesome, dude. I think some, I think a lot of people struggle with coming to the realization that like in the past is the past because I wasn't in control, but now I can choose happiness or I can choose to rely on that crutch of, um, like, dude. yeah. Cause it's like, you could just say, Hey, I'm in control and then move forward. Or you could keep blaming everybody. Yeah. And that's what I realized, you know, it's like everyone, a lot of people just look at the, and they keep blaming, blaming, blaming for the mistakes they're actually making right now. But it's Mm -hmm. like, you're the one doing it now. You're the one still acting. You're the one still thinking that way. So it's not your parents anymore. It's not your upbringing anymore. It's like, that's just a crutch. That's a lie that you're telling yourself. Like you're the one shooting yourself in the foot. And that's what I always said is like, Hey, I grew up in a certain thing, but it wasn't my fault. And I'll never go through my, I'll never shoot myself in the foot. I'm there's going to be no self-inflicted wounds from moving forward. I'm not going to sabotage myself, you know? And like, looking back, I've never sabotaged myself. I've only pushed myself forward, you know? And I proudly say like, I've never done anything to hinder my success, my happiness, anything. It's just keep going forward, you know? And that's based off my actions, you know, and how I live every day. But I do see a lot of people, especially in my family too, still looking back at the past Mm. passing blame but it's like now you're in control you're choosing to do all that stuff now yeah that's huge all right i don't know where to fit this in but i think this is really cool to me but you are what one eighth cherokee yeah 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 i just think that's cool like yeah anything you want to fill in no no, like that that actually is a cool fact because like yeah i'm cherokee which is pretty cool because like yeah honestly it was a it's it has saved me a lot because to be, I got a genetic disorder when I was uh, 15 years old, you know, called hypokalemia periodic paralysis. It's a potassium disorder, you know, but this Cherokee came in handy, right? Because it gives like, there's certain benefits I get, you know? So basically my family keeps record of like, I don't know, like six, seven generations of tribal numbers. So, and like my, one of my aunts, shout out to my aunt Nikki, she's very responsible human being who keeps (laughs) track of all that stuff for our family. Right. And then when I turned 18, she passed it over to me. But since I was a kid, I had access to India, the Indian clinics. Right. So I got dental and, um, I don't get like money, like one of those, these, these balling tribes out here. Right. (laughs) But I got dental, I got, um, medical, like general practitioners and then prescriptions, which came into handy when I was 15. Um, but it's cool. Cause you get all these perks. I'm Cherokee. So like, say we moved to Oklahoma, there's like housing, um, opportunities. It's like, uh, who wants to live in Oklahoma? Yeah, though? You know, I'm like, I'm not going over there, but it's, it, it is a cool fact. And I grew and one, my mother's side is Cherokee and it's cool because 
they took a lot of pride in our heritage. So growing up, uh, going into like my aunt Susie's house, my grandma's house, they would have like dream catchers and they would have, you know, uh, rainmakers and they would have moccasins. And they really um, took pride in what we, what our heritage was. And one of my uncles, Uncle Ronnie, he would actually dance at the powwows. So we, I remember some of my highlights would be going to these powwows with my uncle Ronnie and just watching him dance, you know, and he was a free spirited person who just like lived off the land and was like a real Indian, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it, so that's a, a, a cool part of my life that I'm very proud of too, you know? Yeah. I think that's awesome. Yeah. It's so cool. It's just like, <laughs> oh man. That explains a lot. It's a warrior, fun, fun warrior fact in, in there. Yeah. You know, sometimes I do feel like, man, I got we, that warrior spirit, that warrior spirit lives in you, you know, and it's yeah. like definitely feel that. And it's part of our family. There's definitely a lot of warriors, very tough people in our, yeah. in our family, you know? Um, all right. Moving forward. He's like 18. that fun fact. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I like, where am I going to put this? And I was like, everyone needs to know Cherokee. That's very cool. <laughs> um, so he's 18. Casey and I decide uh, we start Next Level Fitness in 2006. And we're doing okay. We have no clue we're doing running this business. But Next Level <laughs> Fitness was all one-on-one personal training. Then we're like, oh, there's a gym right down the road going out of business. We should take that over. Now, Next Level was 4,200 square feet. The size of Palm Springs, 42 right now. And uh, which other one? Oh, La Quinta, 42 right now. That's roughly 4,000. So that's the, our first location. That's how big it was. Then we're like, oh, let's take over this gym going down the road. It's 20,000 square feet. So let's just do that. It'll be fine. So so we took over this gym that was going out of business. And it was, you know, we went from Casey and I just just being nice guys that really didn't know much about business to now having child care and multiple desk (laughs) people and cleaning crews and locker rooms and everything in between. We were like, oh, but we were so over our, our head. So funny story. I think I tell you guys a funny story. So um, we're getting an investor. Uh, we have two of them, one investor. And we're like, hey, can you loan us some money? One of our members. That's because that's what happens. And he comes and looks at it. And he's like, okay, yeah, I'll give you your money. And we asked for $25,000, which like, <laughs> it was nothing. It was like a penny, but pretty much in a 20,000 square foot <laughs> building. So like, so it was so funny. He, he goes to his car. And he's like, I'll get you the money. I'll have my accountant send you the money. So he goes and uh, then he comes back in. He's like, Jerry, can I, can I borrow your cell phone? I'm like, yeah, sure. He's like, someone just broke into my car and stole my cell phone in my wallet in your parking lot. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so that was an omen in 2008, July. Oh. So <laughs> should have known. But uh, he did give us some money, but uh, he did get it robbed um, <laughs> at 10 a.m. on a, like a Wednesday. Um, oh so, so anyway, Casey and I were, were running this gym and immediately we're like in over our heads. Because we, mind you, we went from next level. That was all personal training. So like, every, like the 9 a.m. was like, we had like five trainers. With like five of us with five of our clients and all the clients knew each other. It was just a great vibe of just culture, community. And then we go to owning a big gym with a hundred members in there. And you got the, you know, big gyms, man, there's some weird people running around there and like, mm-hmm. and don't ever go in the men's locker room <laughs> and make eye contact. You look Never. straight ahead and you get in and get out because there's always <laughs> old dudes doing crazy stuff in there. <laughs> facts, facts. Yeah. And, and oh. just, you get old and you're like, all right, I have no shame now. It's, uh, it's crazy. <laughs> so anyway, so, 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 um, so therefore we're just getting crushed, but um, Ryan's now a member there. Ryan's working out there. We see Ryan, we see this cool guy. We're like, oh, this guy's great. 
And so then, uh, 2009, we're, 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 we're slowly, uh, just going out of business and we got Palm Desert Athletic Club. Actually, no, Ryan, you were at Palm Desert Athletic Club, right? Yeah. Okay. So Ryan wasn't there yet. So Casey and I are still going out of business. We like immediately we're losing money. Like day one, we're like, oh shit, what do we, what do we get a hold into? So it's like late 2009, um, we go to the landlords and we're like, uh, you could tell we're going out of business cause we were paying you like percentages of our rent we can't even pay you the full rent but um they're like well uh, we're like hey just take the keys we're like we have nothing uh, our house is going into foreclosure uh we're trying but the economy's cr- crashing down by by now and they're like well try to find another gym to take over your lease so we went to ernie at palm desert athletic club and they're like hey let's come so they're like, yeah, we're having trouble with our landlord. We'll, we'll come over and take over your gym. So we're like, great. We'll take all of our next level personal training clients back. You can have all these weirdo thousand members that were here that that uh, walk around all crazy in the men's locker room. <laughs> and so that's when Ryan came over with with the move. So when the gyms kind of uh, merged per se, mm-hmm. the way they bought next like they bought uh, we didn't they didn't buy anything. We just gave it to them because we didn't like we just want our personal training clients back. So we got those guys back. Ryan's over. So now the gym becomes actually Palm Desert Athletic Club. But the funny part is, I'm getting back to Ryan in a second, guys. <laughs> the funny part is, so you know how we are like today. This uh, we have the same morals and ethics as when we were next level in 2009 to today. But so we're like, we want to help people. We want people to, uh, we want to we change your mind. We want to make sure you've got a support system. We care about what, what you're eating. We like, we're, we live in this lifestyle. This is like, we like, we're not just here to move in class. We want people to actually like get to where they want to go. So <laughs> I'm training uh, a client down in, down in the gym floor area. And she's like, is that popcorn? I'm like, yeah, yeah, they have popcorn machine. So Palm <laughs> Desert Athletic Club comes over with popcorn machine, a hot dog machine, kegs. kegs. There's kegs underneath. Yep. The, they're walking around with red solo cups all day. The whole staff true. is drinking nuts. true. <laughs> We're like, it was such a culture war. We're like, what the F is going on here? So that's when... We came up with Fit and 42. We're like, all right, we're like, let's, we were getting fed up with one-on-one personal training because we put so much heart and soul into each one of our clients. And we're like, the maximum really someone's working out was like three days a week, maximum, right? So they're, they're training with us. They're, they're crushing the workouts, but the rest of the time, they're just not following any eating plan, just, just not getting anywhere in the gym. So like, man, this sucks. What if we came up with a program where we're super strict, it's every day, give them a meal plan and multiple coaches in the classes and like just give them everything they need to be successful. That's when Fit and 42 is, uh, the concept was created. But then we're like, oh, we need some interns to help us out. And so therefore, Ryan, lo and behold, <laughs> interned for us oh, and we yeah. got him immediately. It was with him and one other girl. The, the other girl was all tatted up and she called me and my brother boys. She's like, hey boys. And she was, I don't know, she didn't make it, but Ryan did. <laughs> Ryan, you want to talk about your experience if you, what yeah. you remember? You know, it was, at, it, that was such an <laughs> awesome time. Actually, I love that time because it's like a little bit before like, so like at 15, obviously around that time, that's when I got started discovering the gym, you know, and the impact it made on me. So I had to rehab myself and then I started to feel good. Right. I told you guys, I started, it helped me get off medication. And then I started just like to bodybuild, like build myself up, you know, like I'm just learning about training and I fell, I fell in love with it. Like that's all I did every day. I didn't care. I was going to the gym. It was just how it was. Like there was no non-negotiable. It was like the only thing I looked forward to. It's the only thing I was ever passionate about, you know, I really loved it that much. And then, so 
that passion led into high school. It's like we had like strength training class and I'd always be coaching everybody. I'd always be coming up with workouts and we'd be doing our thing, you know, and everyone's getting strong. So I fell in love with training. And then after high school, like all I liked was working out, you know, I was just a legit gym guy. Like me and Jerry have talked about, we're gym guys, you know? And so I was like, the only thing I really wanted to do is like do this, you know, like let's freaking, that's the only thing I like. I'm going to go and just do what I like, you know? And, um, yeah. So like I went to school for it and all that. And I remember I graduated cause they had like these vocational schools back in the day, you know? And I went to like a personal training school cause I was like, well, let's do it. You know? So I did that. And then once I had finished, I remember my career counselor called me and I was actually working out and she was like, you're, you, there's a gym that is hiring interns or whatever, you might want to go apply to it, you know? And then that's how I ended up realizing, Oh, I'm in the gym right now. You know what I mean? And so, yes, that's how, and then I, they were like actually on the floor. I remember it like so clearly, like Jerry in case probably don't, but I do. I remember they, I got the call and then I walked right up to them and it was just told them, Hey, my career counselor just said that you guys had a internship. And I remember they looked at me like, dude, you're a coach, you know, like, like, Cause I'm, I was always there, but I was, I just kept to myself, trained hard and yeah. did my thing, you know? And then they were like, heck yeah. So then, you know, I, I joined the internship and that's where it all began right there was like really diving in with these guys. And I was super fortunate to jump in there when they had just finished like a 42, they just finished the first one. So I joined in like on the second one ever. And the first one, it was a huge success, you know, already. Then I jump into the second one. And uh, yeah, I had merged with them. So I was with all the alcoholics because the other gym, <laughs> they were all drinking all day. They would be drunk when I'd go in there to train. I'd walk in, they'd have beers. They'd be drunk, you know what I mean? Like at the front. And then they merged with these guys. So that's how I ended up. And it worked out because I, I lived right across the street. So when they merged to Jerry and Casey's gym, it worked out because I was right across the street. So I could walk there, you know, so it saved me a lot of time. <laughs> So I loved it, you know, and then over time I ended up getting the internship and then with the guys, it was cool because I jumped in and, and I was able to like train under Jerry, train under Casey. Uh, there was an amazing coach, Nick. There was like all these uh, just awesome crew, you know, of amazing people. And I just jumped in and I, and I never done this type of training before, but went through it with the guys and just, you know, learned as much as I possibly could about uh, what they were doing. And I, I went all in, you know, and I remember I got through the internship, I got a job, got hired and from there it was just rocking and rolling and it's like we went on this ride together and I was young and uh, I just like holy shit this is crazy because we got really <laughs> successful very fast and I didn't really realize it what was even going on you know to be honest it was just it was like we would do these 42s and there'd be a hundred people and you know <laughs> like a hundred people life was so good yeah and then we left like I remember we opened up a new spot and and, and went back to the smaller and got away from those guys and all that and then we just were cranking out these 42s and it was amazing and everyone it was like we were young we were wild we were killing it it was just like and and I just thought this was normal you know like because this is my first job I really didn't know like that there was down, I didn't know anything else, you know? So I feel like I'm very fortunate again, like life it was rough in the first half of my life. And then everything started to work out for in my favor. Like everything worked out. It's like the shelter happened. Otis happened. The guys happened. Like I just happened to fall into these things, you know? So I always felt like I, I was, I ended up, I was cursed in the first half of my life, but then I was blessed in the second half. 
and these guys were a part of it and we were just rocking and rolling and and I would just ended up getting I got really good at coaching you know had a great time I knew how to run the classes I was leading the classes I was doing our thing and it'd be like I'd be leading Jared be leading Casey and we just had this rock star just environment for a long time you know and and the members loved us we got results and it was just looking back like you know, there's always that they say, like, you don't really know the good times till yeah. it's over. Yeah, and that's sure. how I remember. Um, now I look back and like that was one of the most incredible times uh, for me because I was like I was able to learn under. I probably spent more time with, than anybody with Jerry Casey, you know, mm-hmm. as because uh, I would be there early in the morning. I'd learn their way. And if you yeah. look at my style, my style is very much a blend of Jerry, of Casey, of Nick. Like I stole like almost everything from everybody and fused like my and then I came yeah. out, you know. But there's yeah. a lot of like Jerry's sense of humor and comedic ability. I, I picked up on that. Like this dude is really damn funny, you know, and he he has that 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 in his style to make it fun and a lot of laughter and there's joy in that and then like Casey's like was very much a technician very like you know x's and o's like programming you do this muscle group with this muscle group and it always flowed well but he was very technical you know so I learned oh you got to be technical and then uh there was our head coach back then Nick was a, a entertainer (laughs) he was very entertaining he was freaking just a fireball of energy and all that and everyone loved that about him so if you look at actually my style I'm a blend of those three for the most part with my own kind of self in there but I was able to learn under these guys for a long time and we went on probably like a two and a half year straight of just straight slaying it crushing it was crushing it it was crushing it and then it all came crashing down (laughs) then what happened Ryan's like hey guys I I got a to my recollection, this is how it happened. Ryan's like, hey, guys, um, I got this personal training client, and uh, he wants to tr- me to train him every day before the gym opens, so like four or maybe mm-hmm. three or, or something three, nuts. Yeah. And we're like, okay. And then and then um, he stole Ryan away. <laughs> Ryan's like, hey, guys, um, uh, he's going to hire me full time for me to train him one hour a day, and he's going <laughs> to pay me maybe more than you guys are paying me right now. So, uh I got to do what's right for me. <laughs> and we're, you know, at the time we were obviously, we were obviously, um, bummed. Like it wasn't like, Oh, I don't, cause we were, uh, we were definitely, um, uh, suspicious of it. Not suspicious of it. We were just like, this doesn't feel right. But Ryan's like, dude, I'm going to do what's right for me. And I, I totally understood it. Like the money's there. And we're like one hour a day. Come on, bro. Like it all made. So we were like, uh, it was like our little, cause he's, he's like our little brother at the time. Like, Damn, our little brother's going, is he going to be okay? Is this going to work out? We just didn't know. And, uh, it lasted five years. So <laughs> hell yeah. But like, give us a little insight on that, right? Yeah. So that like never happens to people. Right. So it's like, <laughs> who becomes an exclusive coach? So my, it's so weird. My, my career is really interesting. You know, like, I get to be with the guys and do this phenomenal program fit in 42 and like literally this like world-class experience is my first job and then we're doing amazing and I love what I'm doing but then it's like yeah this guy comes in and then offers me like a freaking once in a lifetime deal and I'm young and I'm like shit I have nothing to lose you know what I mean like like let's see what happens and like obviously it was a lot more money involved in this thing and I'm young and I'm like I this could help me out a lot you know and then I'm like all right we were we work a lot so like back then too it's like we weren't we would work a lot at the gym 
and I, I never mind work. So like, I never like, that was not a downfall for me, like being like 20 something. And we, that's just what we did, you know? But I remember it's like, I'm going to work like one to two hours a day, you know? And it was like, so I got this exclusive job and making a lot of money. I'm not working that much, you know? And then I was uh, going to work with like amateur golfers and stuff uh, on the side. So work with him, then work with these golfers. And it, kind of went that way, but it really didn't go that way, you know, but it was like that five years I left was, uh, uh, it, it really set me up for life in a way. And I'll tell you guys why, because I left, obviously I made some money and I was able to, uh, financially kind of like position myself for stability, uh, throughout that period. Uh, but then I didn't work that much. So I had a lot of time. So during that time, I ended up developing myself. I read so many books, took so many courses, went back to school for like a bunch of different things. And I took advantage of the opportunity because I remember thinking to myself, like, like within the first couple of weeks, I'm like, bro, this is crazy. Like I'm literally like sitting by the pool doing nothing and uh, I'm done with work and yeah, I have no kids and I'm like, I'm with Dulce at the time, but it's like, dude, I don't do anything. Oh uh, shit. Stop. I, I missed a big part of the story. We got to go back. We're going to come. I'm going to mark down where we're at right here. All right. So we have a long story journey together. I know there's probably a longer shoot. podcast, but our story I was like, is wait long. a second. I left a big chuck That's of the story. True. All right, go back. We're going back. All right. So we're going to f- come back to this. Uh, I know right where we're at. So we're trying to hire a desk person in, Palm, in our, our next uh, level fitness Palm Desert off of Mediterranean Avenue in the Palm Desert Business Park. We're like, oh, we need a desk person because, and mind you, we, our desk girls are they would be they would be so ashamed of us if they saw how little we had the old desk girls. We didn't know what we were doing. We're like, oh, I don't know, do something, fold towels or something. So anyway, right, we're like, right. He's like, I got. We're like, trying to find to hire someone. Like, I got, I got it. I got this girl. Her name's Dulce. Uh, she's into me. I'm not that into her. Um, and she'd be great. And so we meet Dulce. And auto automatically, she's perfect. She's super sweet. She looks great. She's got the part. She's perfect for the job. Were you dating at that point? No, we weren't. All right, all right. We really, I wasn't lying about that, but we were like kind of, we were talking, you know, and I guess, I guess now looking back, it was headed down that direction. Sorry. I'm probably lied a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. Don't say, but I, I specifically remember I'm like, right. Are you guys together? He's like, no, no, nah, she's into me. I'm not that into her, whatever. But I was like, I did. All say right. that. I did. I remember. But that was his, that was Ryan's like, cool, like uh, cool, like charisma. Like movies like, nah, come on. Man, nah, you know she's in me. I'm like everyone's in you. He's like, I know, like, like. but so, um, so then Dulce begins working at the front desk, and that's a major part of our another story is the queen of Fit and Forty Two Palm Springs. How she started off, and she was our desk girl, folding towels and saying hi to people at the front desk. To now, what she is today is a freaking another chapter in this saga of <laughs> the story. But it's really cool that how Dulce started with Ryan and just Ryan getting her the job, and then then all of a sudden they start dating. And I was like, Ryan, he's like, yeah, we're dating, and then. The rest is history. Jerry, was, I remember him saying, you guys better work out. <laughs> yeah. so I remember he's like, you guys better get married and this shit better work out. I was like, oh, it's, it's serious, right? Yeah. It's a promise. It's going to be fine, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's, I know that's a whole nother story going into Dulce's experience. But think about that front desk girl to where she is today. It's pretty impressive, you know? Yeah. And then our journey. So like, yeah, me and Dulce, now we're working together and all that. And that's funny. When I got the exclusive job, I 
told them I didn't want to do it. And it was mainly because of Dulce, because they were like telling me you're going to have to travel to these like golf courses and all this stuff. And I was like, bro, I'm like in a very serious, I was serious about Dulce. I'm like, I'm seriously like this girl, I'm a marrier and I'm not going to throw it away for some money. So I, I told them I didn't want the job. And then they were like, what the hell, you know? And then, then they came back and then they offered her a job. So <laughs> they got me and then they offered her a job. So she ended up getting a job with these same oh, guys. Yeah. And, and, and so we could have coinciding schedules. So when I traveled, she traveled. Anything I did, she did. Right. So we were just like, I don't know. It's always been a package deal now, like ever since, like we, you know, that's it's always crazy. a package deal, you know, yeah. but that's, that was part of the negotiation was Dulce needed to be a part of it. So, Fantastic. so now we're both living this dream, you know, well, she's like managing a golf course company and all this stuff, you know, but she hates her job. Um, and I'm retired basically at 20 years old, you know, 22 <laughs> years old. So that's where we left off, right? No, we were left off. You're right. starting to get your certifications and which yeah. search you got. Cause that's pretty important. Yeah. So I went to school. So I went back to school and like I said, so I had no time. I had a lot of time and I didn't want to waste it. I was like, who is what I believe it was the greatest get one of the greatest gifts I got was that five year period to develop my, like who gets five years to work on themselves? Like I wasn't worried about money. I wasn't worried about anything. I just had time to grow and I took full advantage. So it's like, I read like, I read like, I remember it was like 60 to hundred books. I used to track them every year for five years. I used to track them, write them down. Like I was tracking how many I read. And then I went and got uh, fascial stretch therapy. So I'm like the highest level fascial stretch therapist. You go, I went to massage school, you know well, what I, I mean? Go back. Cause like, it's really impressive. There's levels yeah. of this F- FST, FST for people. That, that's what they say. Now I'm, I'm sure the listeners have heard of FST, but there's how many levels? Three. And, and are you three? Th- I'm level three. I'm the top level. And what happened was, so I was their strength and conditioning coach. Right. And then I started to work with amateurs and stuff. Some, some of these golfers and stuff. And I realized shit, I'm going to get fired. That's what I realized. I realized, man, like I'm a strength coach, but they need flexibility. They need all this. So I was like, what had happened was like one of the stretch therapists had got drunk one night and missed a session with one of the golfers. And then I told, then they missed and I happened to be there. And then I was like, I'll go to school and do it myself. Right. So I was like, I'll just go get, get, get licensed or certified through this place, you know? And they were like, great idea. Cause they knew I was reliable, that I worked hard and I was, like, I'll do it myself. And then you guys will just only see me. Right. But I was securing myself. Right. Cause I knew like, man, you know, I could get replaced here because that was what was so scary about this job is you could get fired at any moment. The fact that I lasted five years is crazy, but this is how I lasted five years was I went and I enrolled in this school. So I kind of weaseled my way in, went to school and then I became an asset again to these people, you know, and then now I was stretching them all the time. And then I was like, I, then I told them like, Hey, I'm, there's levels to it. I have to become a level three. So then they paid for me to go back. I kept getting paid. They paid for my schooling. So I kept going back. And then, um, so then I went back to all three levels, became really good. And that's what I spent a lot of time was their flexibility coach. I was always stretching. I was always doing this stuff. And so that ended up prolonging my career with them for, for a while. Cause I was working with one girl, her name's Courtney. She was graduated from Alabama and I worked with her for a couple of years. She was very promising a golfer and it didn't work out for her, you know, but it was a fight we fought for, you know, but she was the one I spent a lot of time with. And then I, and then again, like I needed deep tissue work. They kept trying to find good massage therapists to 
do things. They're always getting body work done and all that. And then me again, I'll go, you know, I'll do it. So then I spent almost a year in massage school learning massage and I had learned FST. A thousand hours or something. Yeah, right? it was a, oh my God. It was one of the hardest periods of my life because I just had a newborn. I had Elise. Oh, I, really? Yeah. And I was still training at three in the morning. So I trained him at three in the morning, come home, uh, watch Elise all day while Bill stays at work. Then after work, I'd go to school and it was a night school. So I'd get out around 11 at night, but I'd be up at three in the morning to coach, even though it was a couple hours and stuff, but I just grinded for almost a year during that time. And, uh, yeah, but like I had that time a year to go to school, did FST, read a bunch of books, kept taking all these courses. And I really just grew myself as a coach, you know, and I, and then I be, ended up becoming very, much an asset, you know, and that's how I lasted so long was I, I just kept growing in areas they needed and then they just couldn't get rid of me, you know, and, and ultimately that, that's how I ended up. I probably prolonged my career nearly three years with them because of just making those type of moves, you know? Um, but, but, uh, but just, all right, you guys are following along now. You got this kid he's going through school, not the best student. Uh, in and out of school doesn't have like a good um, a good like foundation of like you know you when you're little you like learn like discipline going through schools and stuff and Ryan doesn't necessarily have the best that go growing up then dude how many and I I know we talked about you you gaming and there's gaming involved in these years but you could like massage school thousand hours like it's it's a lot to get a massage and then FST, yeah, get level one, but level two, the level like, like, and all this reading, like it takes a special person that a commitment to not just like, dude, you were, you were living the life, dude. I know how angry Dulce was at, at him for a while <laughs> because towards the end, he wasn't training a lot. Yeah. So he was kind of just on chill mode. Meanwhile, Dulce's getting up every day, going to work. And she's like, bro, <laughs> right? that's true. <laughs> I remember uh -huh. that. Um, so, but like, but easily could have just been just, dude, you could have just did what 99.9% .9 of people do is just chill and enjoy it and be like, I got this, this is amazing. But I like, know you like that, that chip on your shoulder to be better. Like that, that's something that, um, I guess, do you know where that came from? Is that, what is that? No, I, I just remember like analyzing the situation. One, I felt very fortunate. I was like, how this doesn't happen to people who becomes like, yeah. so one, I just felt like I hit the lottery one. And then two, I, with all that time, I thought like exactly what you were thinking. I could either literally like game all day and party and just do dumb stuff and blow this opportunity. Or is this an opportunity for me to become my maximum self, you know? And I remember just thinking about that, like, dude, I don't know how long this is going to last because that was always in the back of my mind. I could get fired tomorrow. I'm an exclusive coach. I'm really like, there's, it's not a, really a career here. You don't know what the heck's going to happen. You don't know what's going to. And I was like, I just need to take advantage as long as possible and to grow myself. And I just committed to it. You know, I just committed to it. And I thought, if, if this thing ends tomorrow, I'm going to know that I really grew as much as possible. And it was like, I just vowed to myself, I would give my all for it, you know? And, and honestly, it was the greatest, like, it was an incredible five years because I taught myself so much about so many different things. And it really set me up for like Palm Springs for like what I do now, like looking back that five years is really what molded. And I learned a lot too. So I was an exclusive coach. I grew myself, but like I worked for a crazy guy. He was a crazy dude. 
very wild, very just absolutely crazy situation, you know, but I learned a lot of habits like working hard and like time doesn't exist and just all this weird stuff that like, and it's funny because my best friend worked for us too. We all worked, <laughs> me, my wife and my best friend worked for the same guy. All of us had, so we all lived in this world together of just like, this is crazy, you know, and, and we were around very, um, we were bound, bound around very wealthy people for a long period of time. Like we were around like judges and business owners and it was just we were like flying on planes and driving the nicest cars in the world. And just like, it was absolutely bonkers. You know, we're staying at the nicest resorts. We're on this crazy, just roller coaster together, but being around that environment taught us so much about being like what it takes to achieve success, um, just lifestyle habits to uh, achieve whatever you want. And so I, that, that time really groomed a lot about myself, you know, and then over time I realized shit, you know, I'm about to get fired soon. I could feel it because I started to get cut hours. The golfers started not to work out. I'm not being utilized anymore. And then I sense like it's coming to an end. You know what I mean? It's going to be coming to an end soon. This has been a nice five-year run. Dulce is unhappy and stuff. And then again, like the next phase start, if Jerry wants to tell that, because it, it's <laughs> like, like I said, guys, I always felt like I'm favored and just situations just popped up and this. Dude, we're an hour in and we're like scratching the surface here. We got to keep going. Uh, so I get wind. <laughs> McMillan's aren't that happy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. They could be free agents. And this is at this point. Now, my timeline's a little screwed up, but we're, we wanted to open up a studio in Palm Springs. We knew that that was an untapped market for the 42 brand. And we're like, who better? And then, mind you, Bob is stretching with Ryan. Mm -hmm. Because Ryan's, you know, Ryan's not working. So my, Ryan was supplementing his personal training income with this guy with some stretching, some FST stretching. And um, so Bob, we're talking about, I'm like, dude, how perfect would Ryan be for to run that studio? And Bob's like, oh, my God, that'd be amazing. And so and Bob was an investor in that <laughs> studio. So got to convince the money guy. So um, so then I, I get the meeting, I get the meeting with Ryan and Dulce. I, I pitched what we're going to do and um, meet with them. And they're all, Ryan's all about it. Cause Ryan's always all about it. He's just super <laughs> positive. And Dulce is the one like, she's like thinking like, okay, she just <laughs> kind of got, she's just taking it all in. And Ryan, you know, like Ryan's the kind of guy's like, let's go right now. And like, he just, he was ready to jump. And then Dulce was like, okay, we'll, we'll let's think about it. So then I get like the email, I'm waiting for this email, I'm waiting for this, the response. And it's like, Jerem, you know, thank you so much. Just don't think that we're going to do this. It just, whatever. There was a reasoning. And so I was like, no, 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 no. I'm thinking to myself, no, 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 no. That's, un no, no. So I'm like, I must not have explained it properly enough because this is going to be a home run. And so I went back. I said, can we have another meeting? Or, or no, no, I didn't know what I did, guys. I think I emailed them <laughs> because talking, you know, I might talk too fast and might have went over some numbers that didn't like make sense and then like, all this stuff. So I wrote it all down in an email. I said, this was this is what I project and this is what I really think could happen. And this this and this is what I think is possible. And then like they're like, oh, that makes more sense. <laughs> Let's rock and roll. So I was like, hell yeah. So guys, what a big that was one of my best business moves was like I had this vision, this idea, and I had the perfect people for it. And they're like, and, and the idea was like, we can do this together. And like, that is like, 
it, like I know what I was getting. Like, I've known Ryan since he was 18. I knew exactly who he is. He doesn't change the uh, like his his ethics and morals like that. And I know he shows up every day. It's the same Ryan. It's the same. Like this guy is consistent. Like so, if you, I know that about him. So I was like, he has if and and he's perfect for this. He wants to stay in the industry. I'm like, you got to do this. Like this is gonna work. So. um he said yes. <laughs> like you're, you're welcome, Palm Springs. <laughs> you're welcome. But uh, no, but, but so we opened 42 Palm Springs, and this guy's grinding. It did not go as we thought it would right away. Um, just we went with the smaller model, the 1500 square foot. The old Fit and 42 Palm Springs location was 1500 square feet. We made a wrong move my fault uh we went large group we should have done all semi-privates in that um all we should have done only personal training in that model that which is now strong republic so only six to one ratio with coach six clients to one coach we went large group so anyway it was just too it was just too the numbers didn't work out it was just a bad business model but ryan i'm gonna have him go into it ryan was then we eventually brought Dulce on and then, and she helped out like, cause Ryan was doing everything for a while, living in India, traveling back and forth multiple times a day, just, just grinding. He went from being on a, a country club vacation for multiple years that just grind city. So I guess, I guess the pendulum always swings back. <laughs> right. So, um, but he started, they started getting in their groove and they just started just people just started, understanding who Ryan and Dulce were and there and they they felt what the, they felt what Ryan and Dulce created they're like oh I want to be here so then Fit and 42 Palm Springs was getting really busy but it was getting too busy for that little spot so we were going to start losing people because of our success we were going because classes were like 30 people in that little room and then therefore people are like I love you guys but come on I can't be here this is just crazy so then we luckily we uh we found the spot in Cat City or Palm Springs East, as we call it, and uh, <laughs> and then the rest is history. Now it's now that's one of the per square foot the best most successful gyms in the country by far, and getting better and better because of what Ryan stands for and what him and Dulce and their team, what they um, instill. It comes first with the team. What what Ryan and Dulce instill in the team, and that's just a. a He's a he's a um, a master at um, building people up and and showing them their potential. Well, Ryan, we can back up if you want to add anything about you starting out in starting off the forty two Palm Springs. You, got, you want to? Yeah, I was I was jacked about it. You know, like Jerry said, like I and the thing is, I was really confident. Obviously, I worked with the guys for you know three years nearly, so I knew the systems. I knew like how to coach it. I knew everything we were about to do. I knew it better, like, oh, like I always say, like, Jerry and Case are probably the only people that know it better than me, you know, like, I knew it that damn good, so as far as doing it, I knew I could uh, excel in it, and really, like, obviously, I'm, I'm losing my, I'm, I'm, I'm on the way out of my career, here, my job here, you know, I could sense that Dulce's not happy, and I've always made a lot of decisions off of Dulce, you know, on, on her happiness, you know, uh, so like the fact that we could do something together, it could get her out of that. It, it just like we could do this together as one. And that was intriguing. And that was really like, OK, let's do this. But like I was all for it. Dulce, she thinks things through a lot more. Right. So she thought it through. Jerry was able to come back.
back and, and rebuttal and, and we were able to get it. So everyone's happy. And then we get this thing started and, you know, I, I don't regret anything at all, like at, at all, you know, five years later, it's been great, but it was definitely a, a grind, you know, like starting it out, like I had to do everything, every single coach every class morning, night. And I never, I, I knew like I was retired basically. So going into this, I knew I was going to have to work. So I wasn't like shocked or anything like, Hey, I knew that you have to put work in to build something from scratch. It's going to take a lot of effort, a lot of energy. And it was just that, you know, and there was moments where I felt like giving up, like this is tough. Cause I lived, I had my house in Indio and I sacrificed everything. So I sold that house to get closer. Right. Cause I just kept traveling. It was too far. I sold my truck. I paid my truck off. I loved my Tacoma. My truck was amazing. You know, I'm still sad about that a little bit, <laughs> but anyway, I sold my truck, sold my house, got closer to the Palm spring. Um, and then I just grinded it out you know I really did I busted my ass for nearly like I don't know two years or so pretty close to that point you know before I was able to get the team in just things didn't work out like uh, logistically the projections just didn't hit and it was all good but I definitely put a lot of work in uh, for that 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 time being until we could bring a team in and, and get De Dulce developed up into a coach and Joel and all those guys that was like a little bit like around that point when we started to really build our team but the initial start was something else it was definitely a, a push you know and and it was it was hard work it took a lot of focus and I'm happy I grinded it out you know because there was points where I, I just was tired I was wore out I was beat down it was definitely a lot but like you guys I know the 42 Palm Springs would never even know that because I always showed up you know I something I know that every class I gave my all I tried my best and you guys never saw tiredness you guys never saw me sleeping in the in the, in the floor there I just showed up for you guys I really love 42 and I love the members and I love being a coach and that's really what pushed me through it you know and then having such an amazing team of members around me all the time oh, but that was just a grind period you know and then we started to figure it out. Then like COVID happened and we had to like grind and grind through that whole era and all that. But that's when we had Joel, we had Teresa, we had a big team kind of developing. And then it just got really big, especially after the COVID thing, it got really massive for that little location. And we, once we moved back in, it was like, holy crap, this is, uh, we're bursting out the seams here. And then like we got to the drawing board and Jerry made an amazing move by getting that uh, location really right down the street. And we moved fast. And then you guys have been there. It's just like we have this a big team, big studio. Um, and, and it definitely worked out because now it's like everything works out. The model works. Our members are amazing. Our team is amazing. And it's crazy to think like uh, five years have nearly gone by because I was just like such tunnel vision for so many years that I really didn't realize how much how fast it was going you know but now I look back and it's like it's amazing what we've been able to do I'm super proud of Dulce I'm super proud of myself Jerry the the squad it's definitely a team effort um and we we had to push together you know like it wasn't a, a easy road we all had our arguments we all had our fights we all had our stuff together but we all got through it together and we all pushed as a team and as a, a little family and it's definitely now five years in it's probably the greatest accomplishment I've ever made in my life, you know, cause I look back and like, wow, we've done something so good. You know, it is literally, it's very successful. The members are successful. Our team is happy. Our environment is happy. Our culture is happy. I love it. Everyone loves it. And like, 
we worked really hard to get to that point, you know, so it was definitely worth everything. Like I wouldn't change the journey. I wouldn't change anything because it really made me better. It made Dulce better. It made Jerry better. It made our whole team better. Um, and it was just, it's been an amazing ride, you know? And so you, you went from being a great coach to now you coach very little mm -hmm. and you're a coach of coaches. So tell us about you being a leader to your team and raising them up to be the best that they can be and your, your thoughts and your, your, the feelings you have with that new position you really have. Yeah. So like now everything's completely shifted, you know, it's like, I'm there minimally as like my coaching hours as like the team knows it's like, I'm there on Tuesday nights. I'm there on Friday nights. That's minimal compared to doing everything for two years to where you are now or where I am now. And, but it really was like, just as much as I love coaching like members and seeing physical transformation, I love working with my team and developing my team like Nicole and Franco and Joel. And uh, I feel like when someone comes onto the team, I owe them like all of myself to make them great, you know, and to make them elite coaches and to set them up for success. So I found a lot of love in coaching like the coaches and coaching my team. So that's what I spend more of my time doing is developing these guys, making them great in their positions, um, making the organization better, uh, like leading the creative stuff, creating like power volume training and the programs and all that type of stuff. But my favorite thing I get to do is work with the guys. You know, like I'm definitely a team guy. And just to see like Nicole was a member and now she's literally this most beloved, like incredible coach, you know? And like, for me, that makes me feel incredible. The fact that she's living out her dreams and like loving this, you know? And then Franco, same thing, a member. And I think one of my gifts is I could see potential in people, you know, uh, whether it's a physical transformation, I could see what they become. I could see what someone could become as a coach or their abilities. And then, I'm fortunate enough to have the skill set to teach too. Not everyone's a good teacher, but I've been able to, I, for some reason, I'm able to articulate things to, so people can understand it very easily. And so I've been able to take Joel, take the squad and really teach them everything I know as far as coaching, as far as motivating people and build them up, you know, and now like at this point, it's, it's their studio. It's literally a team studio. It's not the Ryan and Dulce show anymore, really like it used to be for so many years. It was just us and that's all you would see. But now it's a team effort. It's literally all of our show together. We all collectively come together to aid the members and be there for them. And, and it's definitely a shift for me, you know, um, from doing everything to where I am now. But I, I just, I get very happy seeing the team happy that they're able to live out, you know, a goal that they had of becoming a coach. And the fact that the members love them so much, you know, that's the biggest thing is our team knows too. I never just threw people in there. Like I built my team up and then I strategically implemented them in when they were ready. And so our members have had world-class coaching from the start of our the day we opened to now they've never had bad classes. They've never had bad coaches. They've never had a bad experience because we've been able to develop these guys. And that's what I spend most of my time doing now is really coaching up the guys, developing the guys, creating for the company, building programs and doing wild stuff. And that's what I do. You know, well, I don't know if you know this, list, but I just put a few puzzle pieces together. That's almost like you're doing a tribute to Otis 
by mm. teaching all these young people in their careers and giving them so much. Cause that's one of your main, main skills that I, uh, admire about you is you're just how you're, how you create leaders and how you lead people and, and you give your time, you give your effort, you, your patience and you're very thorough with them. So it's, it's definitely correlated between mm -hmm. Otis doing that for you and now you're paying it forward. So that's freaking sweet. Like what, 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 uh, compliment can you give to somebody that they, their direct, um, their direct involvement in your life is causing you to do paid, give it to other yeah, people. Yeah. So like this dude's planted a seed in you, which is yeah. like freaking yeah, that's amazing. A, that's a great like analysis right there. Cause like, I've never thought about that, but that's so true. Cause you see, I think when I, when I talk to like someone like Makai or Cole or Franco, you could see the desires they have for themselves. Um, but maybe they don't know how to get there yet, but mm -hmm. then I do know how to get there. Right. So it's trying to teach them a way just like I didn't like, guess what Otis, I didn't know, I didn't know how to become what he was, but he did. And he was able to relay that to me. So it's like, they have this goal, they have this stuff and I have the ability to get them there. And that's what I take serious is like, okay, Cole, you give me all of yourself. I'll give you all of me. And yes, I guess they're, they, they are like, my team is like my little, my brothers and my sisters. And, and I guess I'm, I am more like their mentor. They don't call me like, boss. I'm not their boss. Like we don't have that type of relationship. It's definitely a mentor thing. And, um, they know that I have their best interest and I want them to be successful. I want them to be happy. I want them to be healthy. I want them to be fulfilled. Not only them, I want their families to be set up. I want, I don't want anybody on the team to worry about anything, you know? And so I, I definitely, I guess it is more like a mentorship and just caring for others, you know? And, uh, and, and then also like I care for the members too. So the people that are going to be, be with the coaches, like they need to love those guys and these guys need to know how to, to live up to the standards of excellence that the members are expected. Cause we have a lot of founding members, you know, that are with us still till this day, five years in, and they love the new coaches. They love the team. Right. And that's because we've upheld the standards of everything. So I, I, it's always trying to make everybody happy. I want the members to be happy. I want the team to be happy. And, you know, luckily we've been able to make that happen and everyone's fine and dandy, you know? <laughs> yeah. So what, what I'm, seeing here is well my main thing is working i realized this company was we were doing good and but your skill set of working with people and working with your team really made an impact on my life because it's not what i was like i was a great trainer i was a great in front of clients i was a great i was like if you gave me a job well, I would always work for myself, but like if I knew I had jobs to do, I would get it done. I would do it the best of my ability, which is usually the right way The I would get it done. And I would just expect other people to do their jobs the way they're supposed to get it done. And then that's just, and then we'll take over the world. Well, being in leadership, it doesn't work that way. And it wasn't, it wasn't, I didn't know, understand it. I'm like, well, and then I working with people and, 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 and correcting people. And then I would maybe, I would come off a little, a little too uh, direct and I'd be like, hey, dude, please do this. And like, why are you not doing this? Like, come on. Like, and working with watching Ryan in action with his team and how he built up loyalty and he built up that really made a mark on my career because I was, 
not training anymore. So not really bonding. And if I'm not training, I'm not seeing my team a lot. So like back in the day when I was on the floor, like training with Ryan and Ryan's over at the other end of the room and I'm here and then got all the coaches there. Then I'm next to Dulce down the desk. She's working the desk back in the day. Like I'm, I'm seen, they see what I'm doing. They see how hard I'm working. They were looking at me They're okay. Like I'm, I'm leading by my actions and by my, my effort. And they see like, they see, okay, this guy's down. He's, he's not, he's not like lounging in the corner while I'm working my butt off. So like I'm in battle with them. Now, as I rose up in the company, stopped training and became this guy in an office that was communicating with my team members through emails and texts and phone calls, I lost connection with them because I was not with them in battle anymore. And so therefore the, 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 the uh, like relationship got distant and, and to watch and Ryan, someone I really respect. And we had some tough conversations throughout our, our during the last year or so, maybe a little more because he had to tell me that he's like, dude, you're, you're not, you're not being who you need to be. And that was like a real wake up call for me. I'm like, Holy cow, I am that guy. But uh, since I uh, changed roles in the company, I'm not able to, no one really knows me like Ryan does because a lot of these coaches, they, they weren't around, they're new and the team members are new. So I wasn't able to bond with them. So therefore I was just a boss. I was just somebody that was telling them what to do and like just no, someone no one liked. Someone like, it was like, oh my God. So Ryan's leadership was, I was, even though I'm at the height of my career and I'm, I'm constantly learning, but I was able to watch him in action and be like, that's, like what Ryan was saying was he emulated my coaching back in the day when he was 18 and I was a little more experienced with at the time than he was. He's like, okay, I like how he's doing that. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that from Casey. I'm going to take that. I'm going to make a super coach out of myself with a little bit of everybody. So like, that's what I did with his leadership. I'm like, okay, okay. I can't get loyalty and a connection with my people unless they know how much I love them and I'm giving to them. And what Ryan just said about his people is like, he'll give them as much time as if they're ready to go, he'll give them as much time in his life as, as they need. So that's what I've learned from him. And that's elevated my game and my connection with everyone. And, and, and even this podcast, spending time with Ryan, like this has been special for us to, to, to get our relationship back. Cause we're busy dudes, but like to spend time with. So like when, when Ryan, um, it's, what I was getting at with this long story is it starts with him, with his team. When he's like, a lot of people are like, oh, you got to take care of the clients. You got to take care of the clients. The client is always right. I'm like, sure, the client. But if you're not, if your team doesn't know that you got them and you're like, you're like, you're willing to do whatever, whatever you need to do to make them happy. And, and, and what, and then therefore they can't treat the client the best way because they don't feel they don't feel taken care of and loved on the back end. So with Ryan, he flipped it. Everyone in his studios knows he loves them. He's got them. He's because he's done it through his actions, his teaching, his seminars, his corrections, his leading by example. So he's done that and showed them that they're safe and loved. And now they and them as employees and leaders and coaches, and they all say, all right, I'm going to give that love to you guys now. So I think that's how he's built this magical sauce in Palm Springs. <laughs> and uh, I see it from afar and I look at it and I'm like this. And then what I did was I said, you know, he is in the trenches. He's, he's with his team. He was coaching a little more at the time. I said, I want to put you in charge, be the, the op, <clears throat> the chief operations officer of the, all the studios. So what, Ryan, I want you to keep creating new programs, new challenges, 
but also work with all of our team members, our managers and everyone, even our other owners with just not, not teaching them, but like, Hey, this is working for me over here. What do you guys think? And brainstorming and this. So Ryan is a leader amongst leaders too. And so he's come from the internship way back in the day <laughs> to now somebody who is the brains behind the operation. And so there's, it's just, it's been a journey, man. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. crazy. Like now you're breaking it down. It's like, man, we really chronicled like the start. I didn't, it's crazy because like I don't really think about it like that. But like this is like the first time I've ever reflected that deep and like seeing how far we've come and like how everything came together. So this is like an eye opening day for me too, just to see like, man, everything has just worked out for a reason. Everything has been for a reason, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's been freaking awesome. Like I love, like, even now it's like cool. Cause it's like, yeah, Palm Springs is amazing, but working with the other studios, I love working with like La Quinta squad and Dave and working with Jen and Nat and working with everybody, you know, and being able to, I guess, coach in a different way, mentor in a different way, show people the way. So that's amazing. And then I love creating, like you guys know, like the manias and the meltdowns and the, uh, all these crazy events we do, the rucks and fit war, like all that stuff is just, uh, I love creating for the company. So the fact that I get to, I don't even feel like I work it at all. I'm like, I get to play all day. I get to like be there with amazing people, coach amazing people, develop our teams. I get to be there with amazing members all the time. I get to be there with my team. I get to create fun programs and things for people to do. So it's like, my life is freaking awesome. I'm like, I get to, I, I literally live the dream. I, I wouldn't change my life for anything. I'm very happy with what I've been able to do with my life, where I've come from, where I am today. And I'm very, that's why I'm happy and optimistic guys all the time. It's like, especially at this point in my life, like why would I be angry ever? It's like, I get to do this compared to what I faced in my childhood. Like I'm far beyond that. That world is done. I'm in a different era and this is amazing. And I get to do it with great people. Jerry, I get to spend like, literally I spend like 95% of my life with my wife, my daughters in my studio every day, just seeing what we get to do it's like this 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 whole thing my whole life has just turned out to be something special and I really I really love what where I am today and the fact that I get to be spend time with the 42 universe and be a part of this and I just I I love I love everything that that, that my life has turned out into you know and uh, I didn't think know it was going to turn out this way but I'm proud and happy of everything that has happened so far and I'm even more happy because I'm just like, I feel like I'm just getting started, you know, with everything. And, uh, and my life just feels like it's just beginning, you know, so that I'm even more happy about the future and what we got going on and where 42 goes, where our members go, where our team goes and their growth. And so it's just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped about this, about everything. <laughs> this was a cool day. It's like a Joe Rogan episode. Yeah, here. We're an hour and a half in. We got one more question for you. Yeah, what do we got? Just address the members of the 42 universe. Tell them whatever you want to tell them, and then we're out of here. Yeah, I think, guys, if you just look at my life, I guess, like, no matter where you come from, you could become whatever you want, you know? Like, learn from the past, you know, take responsibility for your life, take ownership for your life, 
And then every day, just work as hard as you possibly can, you know, and every day, just put the effort in, put the energy into everything. And every day you should be in the pursuit of your growth, you growing as a person and make sure as you're growing, you're bringing others along with you, you know, because that's really the key to life is, is growth and seeing how far you could go, but not alone. It's about how many people are you going to bring up with you? How many people are you going to teach? How many people are you going to improve, you know, and that's really what life's about. So just wake up every day, give your absolute best, try your hardest. Don't be complacent. Don't make excuses, you know, just put the work in every single day and, you know, you could be anything you want. You know, I always tell the team in Palm Springs, it's like, you guys could be anything you want. You just got to work for it. It's really the truth, you know, put the effort into anything you want. It can happen. You know, if I can do come this far, you guys can do anything. It's not about where you start in life. It's about the effort you put in and all of us can grow into something special and you all have a uniqueness to yourself, a specialness to yourself. We're all individual human beings with maximum, like they, they can maximize our potential. So don't ever feel like you just are who you are. That's totally false. We all have the ability to progress and become excellent in anything we want. So just wake up and put the work in and uh, believe in yourself. Thanks, Rye. Great day today. Hey, thank you. Thank you. This was definitely an awesome experience <laughs> right here. And thank you, 42 Universe, for listening for like an hour and a half. Here. <laughs> See <you> guys. <laughs> Later, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Fit and 42 Life. We would love if you could share this episode with someone in your life who could benefit from this show. Take care and keep living the Fit and 42 life.